0: KBTC, a viewer-supported community service of Bates Technical College.
1: From KBTC Public Television Studios in Tacoma, Washington... Welcome to the Steve on the Street podcast, a closer look behind the headlines as public policy and current affairs impact the real lives
0: of real people. Hello and welcome to this edition of the Steve on the Street podcast. I am reporter and photojournalist Steve Kiggins. This podcast is produced by Northwest Now, seen on KBTC public television. Today's episode, we're talking about Alzheimer's. You know, for those who know someone suffering with Alzheimer really don't need an explanation as to what it is, but for those who don't, it's really hard to really describe what it is they're going through, especially what their loved one is going to do. It's really a cruel disease. And when the effects of dementia really start to settle and grow, there's a lot of, Confusion for certain for the patient and the loved ones, and at some point, a reaching for any information that might be able to grasp on to what's left, and finding out ways to hold on to those moments and grow them in ways that define new memories. That everyone can enjoy together. So, for the focus of this podcast, we speak with folks who run an organization called Opening Minds Through Art. It was developed at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And it really is quite simple to describe as an hour or two where folks suffering through cognitive decline and their caregivers, whether that's their nurse or their loved ones, their family members, sit down for an hour or two to listen to music to dance and create art so first we'll share with you our broadcast and then we'll move on to a more in-depth interview You
1: are my sunshine
0: I love to help people. I've always loved to help people. Inside Mountain View Community Center in Edgewood. But Nathan has a folder, right? See Nathan? Instructor Lori Arndt uses music and art as a therapeutic tool, healing both caregivers and elders struggling through dementia. People with dementia can live a good life. The program is called Opening Minds Through Art. It uses music to stretch both muscle and the mind, Making art allows dementia patients a chance to stir their creative juices. It was developed at Scripps Gerontology Center at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio.
1: I feel like it's important for them to be able to have something joyful to do.
0: And numerous scientific studies prove the program boosts perceptions of quality of life, diminishes distress, anxiety, depression, and anger.
1: We continue to study the effect on students. So this could be traditional students, medical students. I mean, think about the power of understanding student medical students who are eventually going to engage with this population.
0: And it just (laughs) starts. Today is Ray and Judy Lopez's first time experiencing opening minds through art, awaiting an official diagnosis. Judy says beyond expressing her artistic flair. Just getting together with others makes her feel better.
1: This is a, a good opportunity here, just getting me out of the house if nothing else.
0: not that pretty? Across the U.S. and beyond, opening minds through art has touched the lives of more than 6,000 caregivers and dementia patients. Program officials believe their classes can improve the lives of even more. They only need more funding to expand their reach.
1: Its impact on everyone working in a long-term care organization is is phenomenal. So we need more studies to document those those types of findings.
0: While dementia takes away one's autonomy, opening minds through art gives back a patient's ability to make their own choices. At its core, the program allows patients to regain the dignity dementia rips away.
1: You get to be yourself. You get to make the decisions. You are valued.
0: In Pierce County, Steve Kiggins, Northwest Now. was an eye-opening experience and when you sit through it you, you kind of feel like you're waiting for the next shoe to drop you know wondering what's the catch but it doesn't really seem to be one there really isn't a catch it really seems to be that the approach is so simple I mean even children can understand the benefit and value of taking time to spend with other people and meet new people and build new memories. And that's exactly how the Interim Director of Opening Minds Through Art describes it, Dr. Amy Elliott. She was kind enough to join me for an extended interview to share the background of the program and to talk about its future. So here's Dr. Amy Elliott. Thanks so much for joining with me. Uh, this program really is, uh, there's so much more to it than I kind of read into it when I visited yeah. and saw Lori work her magic and work that crowd. How did you see it first for your own eyes? What was that like?
1: Um, coming into OMA and experiencing through uh, video facilitator training, uh, understanding what was happening for me, it was it was earth shattering in so many ways, Uh, the way that OMA supports the individuals, the pairs, the connection, the autonomy, the choice, uh, the creativity, it absolutely, and and to do it in such a way that it can happen in in an hour, in an hour, someone's life can be enhanced in such a way with such power, Uh, for me was, you know, it, it was like, wow, this is this has been created with such care, that um, the the absolute impact is astounding
0: astounding when it starts so small and you mentioned That's to cool. me earlier this is worldwide what does it look like today the program around the world how do those, what do those numbers shake out to be
1: so we have over a 1,000 facilitators trained um, all over the world in about 28 states, in Indonesia, and in Canada. And these trainers go out and work in various locations. I mean, they're working in um, adult daycare. They're working in nursing homes. They're working in assisted living. Um, they're working in the community. So OMA adapts to wherever it needs to be based on the trainers and what they're they're trying to accomplish and and the community that they're working with. Um, It's a wonderful quality of OMA that it can adapt to any situation uh, as it works with our trained facilitators. So um, we have been working intensively. Uh, OMA is a part of Scripps Gerontology Center at Miami University. So obviously a lot of our work has focused there, and we have to date worked with almost 3,000 students and 3,000 older adults in Oxford, Ohio. Um, so that's just sort of our local area. But as these trainers take it on and move out, they, they spread into seven, eight OMA um, in all of these communities throughout the country and now globally.
0: 3,000. So we're talking 6,000 participants around that number. Around, um, yes. For about an hour, who knows how many of these yes. workshops they participate in, but for each hour, I mean, the reality is that this disease is is so cruel and really takes its toll on the survivors at the end. Um, But this gives all of them really warm, deeply connected memories they could share. And it's not the same pattern of, now I can't put my shoes on. Now I have to have someone else help make my life as normal as possible. It's really quite stunning to see the smiles abound when I visited Edgewood.
1: Yeah, it's amazing. You know, when our our founder, uh, Elizabeth Locan, Lika, to the trainers and the volunteers and the participants that know and love her so well, when she created OMA in 2007, as an artist herself, as an educator, understanding the power of art as a connector. Um, OMA's mission is building bridges across age and cognitive barriers. And we do it through this making of the art, this project, this interconnection. So the way that it's designed, again, allowing that connection between the person living with dementia and their partner and allowing that person living living with dementia or empowering that person living with dementia, I should say, to make choices at every stage of this art building uh, and to create something brand new in what must be so challenging when you're so focused on the memories in the past and the things that you can't quite hold on to, to have this bright moment, this current moment, where through autonomy and relationship and choice you're creating something beautiful and new that's unique to you. I mean, it, it can only be beautiful in 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 all of its all of its contexts.
0: Right, beautiful. Uh, Lori said she called it her sunshine.
1: I um, and I love that. It <laughs> is. It is truly.
0: And not to mention, I mean, this is studied seriously. Yes, There's a number of studies. I'm not sure how what that looks like. Maybe you could share with our audience, what's the science behind it?
1: So right now there are over 13 published studies. The work continues. So we replicate the work in different, again, ALMA has adapted, so we we adapt. <laughs> so the initial studies around ALMA, obviously it was, dev- it was designed as an intergenerational activity initially. So um, studying what that means for the person living with dementia. So there have been observational studies We've used um, some quantitative tools to see how that, that the impact on the person living with dementia. And what those studies have found is that it improves quality of life. So that person with dementia experiences improved pro- engagement, pleasure, reductions in things like depression and anxiety, all those good things. So we have those studies. And then again, those initial studies, and we continue to study the effect on students. So this could be traditional students. Medical students, I mean, think about the power of understanding student medical students who are eventually going to engage with this population. The goal is that they have an increased appreciation, decreased bias, increased, um, we look at something called the allophilia scale, which literally means um, liking of the other. So in this case, liking, understanding of that older generation in particular These individuals living with dementia and things like increased kinship, enthusiasm, engagement, appreciation, all of those good things. We see it. We replicate it, Stephen. You see it time and time again, that it increases those feelings, that understanding and also things like understanding dementia and appreciating what's happening and and having an increased empathy for individuals living with dementia and those were sort of the initial studies now of course we're branching out and looking at caregivers because oftentimes the person that's working with that person living with dementia is a family member a caregiver a volunteer and what those initial studies around those partners have found is that it decreases things like burnout you know the, the, that very important factor when it's so so challenging for those individuals imagine the stress with the person you love every day. what's an activity that we can do together? where' we, again, we're creating something new and we're bonding and connecting in a way um, that, that that creates beautiful memories, new memories and, and again that daily presence, the presence in the present moment um, those are the things that we're starting to look
0: at as well. It's, it's almost kind of, if you step back, this is kind of my opining here, but beyond just the music and and, and, the, and the art, it, it almost is like a, a gift of dignity.
1: Yes, absolutely. Because when, we're, when someone's living with dementia, oftentimes, you know, and depending on their environment, obviously, if you're living maybe in a, a long-term care environment, we found that there's reduction in choice reduction in autonomy, reduction in relationship, even though those are the things that can create quality of life, that can connect us to our core selves. We're still here. We're still here. So um, the beauty of this, you know, just, it seems so simple, but the layers of what it, and it also seems so intuitive. Like, of course, this is an amazing thing. It seems so intuitive, but you know, Creating the research to support it essentially is so important for, for others to understand and to adopt and for the dissemination and to make sure that this is something that's available to as many people as possible because it's a, it's so, so impactful um, that, you know, so we have to create that research foundation. But in a sense, and I think you probably know, Steve, after seeing it, it's so intuitive. That connection,
0: right. I, I, I mean, sat in this class for an hour or so and, you know, it was a little longer and you know i was waiting for the for the other foot to drop right like what where's where's <laughs> the the catch there is no catch it's really spending time yes with new people new experience new creation yeah this this is what we teach children yeah and, and so- your studies prove again and again that this has a deep impact on everyone involved
1: we where, where take
0: this next?
1: Where do we take this next? Oh, I love that question. <laughs> so again, I, as a researcher, one thing that's always important for us to do is replication. So Lika has you know over time replicated these results. We want to continue and build and grow. You know, we would like for uh, some some very large, you know, studies to, to some, be, we, because we have this history of uh, positive findings of positive impact, again, the more that we can build our research agenda and base will help, you know, maybe government support, more provider support, all of the things that traditionally, if we're honest, can be barriers in long-term care, challenging for providers to innovate and do new things. So the more that we can provide that evidence base um, and get the support and buy-in of again our regulatory bodies, our, our, you know, oftentimes these services are paid for by Medicare, Medicaid, so our, our uh, government payers to understand that when you improve quality of life, uh, it's its impact on everyone working in a long-term care organization is is phenomenal. So we need more studies to document those, those types of findings.
0: And I'll tell you near the end of that session that I participated in, there are maybe, I think 12, that's a roundabout number. Uh, I, I, what I really kept, what was weighing on my mind was how many more families don't know anything about this. I know who are, are, are struggling with with that disease itself and those loved ones are you know doing the hardest work of their lives probably and don't know anything about these studies and the camaraderie and, and everything that happens there the numbers must outweigh the three thousand uh, patients that you've worked with so far the the, the numbers must be really daunting is what, I'm, yes. what my thought was
1: and, and when it's something that's so, again, intuitive, easily implemented, um, and this the 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 power of what it achieves, um, we all deserve. We all deserve, no matter our age, whether we're living with cognitive impairment or something. We all deserve the opportunity for connection every day. We all deserve the opportunity to create every day, choice, autonomy, build relationships, be present in the single moment. And this is a way to do it. That's again, the implementation cost is low. um, The investment is, is relatively low. And then the impact that it it can have across years uh, across individuals. And again, not just for the person living with dementia, but for their partner as well
0: across careers,
1: across careers, and the people that, you know, our, our facilitators will tell you, that, just like Lori sure did, <laughs> the power of this in their lives. So our experience, you know, again, and some of our studies have been um, mixed methods as well. So we have a t- lots of qualitative data to support the quantitative uh, of the power of this. But just anecdotally, what facilitators, uh, volunteers, Participants share with us is we love Oma, <laughs> more Alma. So yes, finding a way to disseminate is in, in, and to um, achieve that awareness is key in what we do.
0: Even the interview is is a joy. I mean, everything <laughs> about my interaction with your organization is like a, a like like a, a light bulb moment, right? And then just joy. I mean, I I don't have many more questions for you. Consider this an an opportunity for an open mic in front of a broadcast television camera. Is there something that we haven't talked about that you'd like to know?
1: When you said, Steve, that the light bulb goes off. Yeah. I think one thing that we find in person-directed living is that when the light bulb goes off for someone, it never goes off when it goes on it never goes
0: off you want to share that too like can you believe this is a a thing (laughs) you you say it's intuitive I mean it's yeah no kidding
1: it's intuitive spending time
0: with people meeting someone new trying something new enjoying each other's company this is the essence of life itself it's
1: beautiful yeah. And so now your, your light bulb has gone on. <laughs> <laughs> really? Absolutely. It will never go off. You'll be talking about this, you know, for months, maybe years to come this experience, because I think for all of us that experience it, we want it to be part of our daily lives. We want it to be part of how we consider our futures. And it it's part of caring for each other. Again, people living with dementia deserve all the opportunities that we do. And so if we can uphold that, if we can promote it, if we can enhance it, uh, the things we're doing for our communities is is completely, you know, accelerating the joy of life in our communities. And that's, I think that's what Alma is all about. It's about joy and it's joy we all need right now. Um, (laughs) Yeah.
0: You hit the uh, nail on the head with that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, Thanks so much for joining with me. I appreciate your <laughs> generosity sharing some of this time.
1: Oh, Steve, thank you so much for going out and exploring this and sharing with others.
0: So dementia and Alzheimer's and you know, other forms of cognitive decline really is a cruel endeavor for those suffering through it, and especially family members who have to watch their loved ones suffer through so much. And the the point seems to be with Opening Minds Through Art to step back from all of that uncertainty and the unfortunate certainty and enjoy each other, to build relationships again, to deepen them, to build new memories that aren't quite so sad. So thanks again to Dr. Amy Elliott. Thanks again for instructor Lori Arndt for joining me on today's podcast. And thank you for joining as well. It's always a pleasure to have you. Once again, I'm Steve Kiggins from Northwest Now. We'll see you next time. Take care.